the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. All hit radio. Welcome to the X Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. There's got to be a morning after If we can hold on through the night We have a chance to find the sunshine Let's keep on looking for the light Oh, can't you see the morning after It's waiting right outside the storm Why don't we cross the bridge together And find the place that's safe and warm And welcome one and all to the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross this time-space continuum to a place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. If you'd like to uh, send us an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. And for the programming we have on the simul, I'm sorry, on the top, uh, let's try the other, so many things to think about these days. For all the programming available on the Exxon TV channel exclusively on SimulTV, www.simultv.com. Exxonation, my guest this hour is Suzanne Worthley, and we're going to be talking about well, she's an energy practitioner. That'll give you an idea what we're going to be talking about this hour. She's been a full-time quantum engineer, energy healing practitioner since 2008. She's been a presenter, instructor, and mentor since 2010, offering energy-based presentation through her own events and classes, retreats and tours, conferences, series, uh, community education, college course, tra- instruction, and online training. Wow. Busy lady. Joining me now is Suzanne Worthley. Suzanne, welcome to the X-Zone. Hey, thank you for having me. 
Oh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where did all this start for you? <laughs> that sounds like a mouthful when you said all of that, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, the actual energy practitioner work kind of came out of the blue. I was a corporate executive mm -hmm. and I was not really even aware of the world of energy um, in my adult life. And really seriously, it just came like as a download one day. I was literally walking out the back door of my own home, walking towards the garage and my husband was coming out of the garage and I actually stopped dead and said, oh my God, you have to figure something out with your medicine because you are really sick. I can see inside your body. And then I went, oh my God, I can see inside of your body. Like I can see everything inside of your body. So it was that quick where it all came back. Um, serious download caught me back up to where I was when I was a kid with being fully psychic and being able to see auras and it just, it came on strong. So it was a whirlwind. Uh, it sounds like it. Now, uh, as a kid, you were a psychic. Uh, did you practice your psychic phenomenon with people or was it just something that you held within you? Oh, just totally quiet. Um, mine was a very, I think, personal relationship. I used to, at six years old, see uh, three alien heads on my ceiling every night. And I, at that age, of course, thought that everybody saw alien heads on their ceiling. And I knew when those three were there that they were the good guys. And then I knew other nights when different kinds of heads would come in and do different kinds of things. I knew that those were the so-called bad ones at six years old that I would have to um, hide under the covers from. So it was a pretty personal relationship when I found out that everybody else wasn't seeing anything. Yeah, I can imagine so. And, you know, you kind of kept that quiet when you got into, like, grade school. And then I pretty much went dormant through the high school years. I was seriously intuitive, but I, but I, you know, pretty much shelved everything. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. What did the three aliens head on the ceiling look like? The actual one in the middle, I'm not even exaggerating, looked like the head on The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy went behind the curtain the, oh, yeah? um, mm -hmm. and found the guy. But it was the big green skull, the huge, big, forward-looking green skull. And, and he had a green hue. Mm -hmm. And then the other two were a peripheral side view, okay. one on the right, one on the left. And they only spoke to that head. And then the, the green head spoke to me telepathically. And how long did this last? That lasted for a good probably um, two, two and a half years. I actually had a blood disease during that time that came out of nowhere. And I was um, being told or my family was being told by the medical field that I, mm -hmm. I had some kind of a disease. They didn't know what it was. They went through everything under the sun from mono to leukemia to everything. I was dragged into the hospital, you know, several times a week for blood um, blood, you know, blood um, testing mm -hmm. and all kinds of things and pretty, pretty ill in first grade. And I um, would go to bed at night and the skulls would say, it's okay, we're working on you, we're working with your blood. And so I was never scared. And I would sit at the top of the steps hearing my family downstairs, especially my parents at night crying, being so scared that I was going to die. So it was a very confusing time for me because I was very calm and mm -hmm. fine inside knowing that I was okay. And even at that age, I would astral project, even in the hospital, I would be having my blood taken and I would project out into the hallway and monitor and listen to the nurses and the staff saying, oh, it's so sad, that little girl's gonna die. And I'm like, wow, somebody's gonna die. And then I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> I think they think I'm gonna die. And of course I never did. And then boom, everything disappeared. They never figured out what it was. Overnight, everything was gone. And then the heads were gone. Well, we're glad you made it through, and we're glad that the heads were right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. I agree. 
Well, what exactly is an energy practitioner and how long have you done it for and what is it you actually do? I do so many different things. I uh, Energy practitioner simply means I practice energy. So I okay. do it with clients as a actual, what we would call 3D job, um, but not 3D. I work on their mm -hmm. energy fields. I do healings. I work on humans. I work on animals. I work on land. I work on spaces. I work on paranormal. Um, I work in the quantum world. So I work in anything, in any scope with energy. And I have been doing it full time since 2008. Prior to that, I was still corporate. So I was balancing it for about another four years while I was doing a so-called 3D job. And so, yeah, it's been going on for that long full time. Now, you, you consider yourself to be a quantum worker. How is right. your style different from other energy healers and energy workers? It is just that, um, first of all, energy is energy and no one is better or, or not as good as it's all it's all just source energy. It just depends on the modality and the way that your energy works. Okay. I actually am a full telepath. I never use my hands. I don't do like a Reiki practice. I don't do anything with hands on healing. I'm fully telepathic. And so I work in the grids or the hologram of a person. So I go into what would be known as their blueprint coding. And I work with things like sacred geometry. I actually put in circuitry. So what I do is I actually go and adjust the blueprint of the person or the place or the thing. And I do circuitry and coding with light, color, and sound. How did being a, a psychic at such a young age affect your life as a mature, grown-up lady? Well, the young age, I just, like I said, thought everybody did it. And then I started to find out that not a whole lot of people did do it. So mm -hmm. I felt really kind of ostracized and weird and alone. I remember looking in the mirror a lot when I was little and I would hear myself in a higher form say, you have a mission, we'll activate you when it's ready. And so I always knew that I had a so-called mission. I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't realize that not everyone got that message. And a lot of times I stared at myself in the mirror wondering why, why I was wearing the so-called outfit that I was wearing, meaning my physical form. It confused me a lot. So, um, you know, I, I, when I was small, it didn't really apply a whole lot. When I was older and an adult, especially in my career, I was a corporate executive that did like international uh, huge events. And I was even quantum back then, I realized, because I could run and see my whole entire, you know, 10-day program in my head. And I could visualize it and create it in my head. So I know that I was practicing the same techniques, but just in a 3D realm, if that makes some sense. Yeah, it does. And um, I understand that your dad was a mortician. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he just actually retired this year at 88 years old. Oh, God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did, did having a dad who was a, as a mortician, uh, did this give you a different insight into life? a different insight that other people would see? Oh, totally. I mean, goodness sakes, you know, we didn't know anything different. Um, Saturday's piano lessons at the church across the street from our funeral home meant that all of the kids would hang out in the funeral home when it wasn't your turn yet. And for us to see, you know, uh, dead people was a normal thing. And so for us to understand that this was a part of life and a part of reality, whatever your dad talked about over the dinner table, we talked about death and dying. So I went through my life with a totally different perspective on the whole death process and that it was normal and it was never scary. And as I aged and got more and more into energy work, um, going into hospice and death and dying work was yeah. a natural organic progression for me because that was my norm. And so 
I became a hospice volunteer many, many years ago, and I only do vigil, which means I only work with the people when they are at the end of life, when they're not having, for example, conversation. It's when I help them to actually shut down their actual auric fields and their chakra system, et cetera, and I help them ease into the death process differently. And that was very, very organic because of what I grew up with and giving me a different perspective on not only the idea of death, but... All right, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you take a breath here because I've got to take a commercial break, so please stand by. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Suzanne Wortley. And if you'd like to find out more about Suzanne, visit her website, www.swortley.com, and that's S-W-O-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com. This is Rob McConnell still battling that darn cold that I picked up, uh, what, two, three weeks ago now? I heard my tape last night from uh, last night's show, and I certainly don't sound like myself. Yeah, just got to keep on taking that VIX, and uh, let me see, what else do they have me on? Oh, Benadryl. There you go. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. We're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome back, everyone. Suzanne Wardley is our special guest. Her website, swardley.com. Um, growing up in a, in a mortuary, your dad being a mortician, you know, death was, was, was very, was very uh, familiar to you. But listen, why is it that so many people in our society fear death? Maybe you can give us a perspective on this that no other guest could. I... I- it's literally our education. I don't think that we allow ourselves to embrace the concept that death is a transmutation and that we have never mm-hmm. really been um, invited to live in a world of energy, that we are omnipresent, that we keep going. And we can get very dogmatic and religious about it, and I'm not judging anyone's beliefs or perceptions on sure. that, but when we go, go bigger, with the thought that we are literally source energy and we come down here for a very finite time period of an experience on behalf of source, we look at that completely different. And we don't teach our young people that as, well, we never learn it. And therefore, um, you know, we go, go through death scared and the death culture is very scary for us. And then God forbid our media, you know, plays with us in movies and all kinds of things that makes it even more scary. And so, I, this is one of the reasons why I actually wrote a book on dying, because this is important for us to understand this is a gift. This is a, it's a gift to be here, and it's a gift to go back home to source, because we are supposed to return to source. And we are supposed to give all the information of our wonderful, fabulous, or awful and painful experiences. So it's, I think it's just literally perception, education, and the way that we present to our, our children growing up. 
As an energy healer, uh, can you share with us some of your amazing personal stories that have to do with the work that you do? Well, I, from a client's perspective, I have them daily in terms of watching people actually ignite themselves and awaken themselves to who they truly are in essence. And I mean, I am so privileged to be able to see that on a daily basis. And again, these are not things that we necessarily learn in third grade. We don't learn about the essence of who we are. And so on a daily basis, I get thrilled to be able to watch people awaken and understand that there's a bigger picture here. In the paranormal world, oh my God, I mean, I have crazy stories, you know, all over the place on that from experiences of actual watching full-blown apparitions. I am very blessed to be able to work in a uh, very haunted hotel in Minnesota called the Palmer House. And I do a lot of events with them. I do an annual one of my own, but I do a lot of other things with them. And it is an incredibly haunted, awesome hotel where I've seen full-blown apparitions. Um, I actually am able to channel and full body, we call it morphing, uh, change into all kinds of different beings when I'm at the Palmer House and all of the attendees get to witness. So that's been super cool to be able to stand there and have people's loved ones come through me holographically and my face changes and my voice changes and I my, and I talk and, and to hold someone's space of a loved one is incredible. And then two seconds later, I'm holding the space of an alien being or a gnome. I mean, it's crazy, crazy stuff that goes on at the Palmer House. So those stories are just never ending. Um, I have had amazing experiences in Peru. I go every year to Peru, this one not so much because of COVID sadly, but I've been there for seven years running my own spiritual tours and I have had really incredible experiences where spirit puts what we would call geometrics in me, which is coding again. And I will bring these two places and sacred places in Peru. And I'm almost used like a flash drive of sorts to transfer information from the cosmos into the earth or the earth into the cosmos. And I do it with these incredible shamans. And we've had like experiences where you go into, you know, literally suck into a rock in a vortex and see amazing, incredible things. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nutty. I mean, I've done all kinds of things and, and I work a lot on ship, um, etheric ship because I have a real alien, um, galactic, uh, energy field and I do a lot of work on ship too. So that's pretty nutty stuff. So yeah, it depends on the day, <laughs> you know? So, so are you a human being? Are you an alien? What are you? I know for a fact that I have never been here before in human form. And I know mm -hmm. almost for a fact that I will never be here again in, in human form. I don't necessarily feel I have, I am a full, I believe I'm probably a hybrid. I am not somebody that holds karma or past lives here. I've been under hypnosis several times. I have no past lives that are even on this planet as a human. Um, so probably, I guess, if you wanted to say what I was, I would maybe probably, if I had to categorize it as a hybrid. So what's your mission here? I know that my mission is absolutely to teach a lot of what it is that I'm doing in the classes and the conferences that I'm doing in Sedona. We're starting a series that kicks off in January called the, the Angel and the Alien, and we are here to really teach the infrastructure of spirituality and the ascension process, understanding how we are here holographically, why we are here, what we are doing, what this process of ascension is about, and that we better get our stuff together because this is a very critical timeline for us to literally allow our planet to ascend and the species of the human with it. So this is a really big teaching effort.
So you believe we're a holographic existence that we're not real? I real is a relative word. I believe that we are a projection of our consciousness. I mm -hmm. believe that we all come from source energy. Whatever your God package looks like is yours. Right. We are shards of that design intelligence that are here. And through our consciousness connection, each one of us is absolutely unique. And yet we are all one. And in that uniqueness, we will project through our consciousness, our own container of what our creational reality is. And so, yes, we are co-creators. Why you? Hmm? Why you? Why were oh, you? Why me? Why did yeah. I come? Yeah. Um, because I believe, well, I'm not the only one down here. There's tons, tons, um, mm -hmm. so many people walking this earth that are working. Uh, that are coming to the place of ascending this planet. Uh, there's very many of us that are actually having past life memories or going back to the essence of who we are. I have lots and lots of wormhole experiences going back to source energy, mm -hmm. remembering how to do geometrics and coding. When we get to that part in the so-called flow chart of creational reality, this is the blueprint of how we exist. And so we are here to teach how we exist so that people will take back their sovereignty and their power so that we are not walking around this planet like sheep any longer and being told what to do in every essence. And so we are here to not only teach, but to assist raising people's vibration, allowing everyone to get to a frequency so that this planetary existence can, ex can ascend. So that is the mission. Is it a mission or a movement? It's a mission and the movement works within it. It is a mission from off planet. It always has been, it's been prophesized. It has always been the mission. But how can you prove all that you're saying? I don't prove anything. And I don't, in my opinion, have to prove things because what I teach is mm -hmm. that everyone has their own reality and their truth. If yes, you have yes, your own version of truth, I that's awesome. I understand that's what you're that. you're here to do. And I'm never here to change right. someone else's truth. I'm only here to allow my information to go as information. Mm -hmm. And it is important for people to discern information for themselves and find their own truth within that. Uh, I understand that, but not everybody comes on radio and says they're an alien hybrid either. And maybe you haven't interviewed enough because there's a lot hey, of Hey, listen, listen. Classes. I've been doing there's this show. I've been, hello, 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 testing one, two, right three. That are, testing. And in fact, this is one of the things I do. In my, for example, I was at my Palmer House show just recently doing a psychic gallery and beautiful little 21-year-old gal there who was super gorgeous, tall gigantic eyes and she was full-blown starseed alien and she was not aware of it and when mm -hmm. I started talking about some certain things she just burst out crying and she said all of this is within my body making sense and here her mom is not anything to do with the starseed and has no understanding of it and we sat down and had quite an extensive conversation about how a starseed actually navigates life differently than a non-starseed and it doesn't make someone okay. better uh, or not all right, better. All right. all hold on here, hold on here, slow down, slow down, slow down. Take a breath in between sentences because okay. you're, you're just going on and on and on. You must have been in the uh, Energizer Bunny at one time too. I, I actually have him on my desk. I, I, can, I can believe that, I certainly can. Uh, okay. Okay. So, so take a when they start to learn about mm -hmm. their attributes, then we are understanding that we work differently with those children. 
as parents or teachers or loved ones. And so the mother Mm -hmm. got to understand differently that her daughter doesn't work the same as maybe her other children do. And so this is an education thing for us to open up to the fact that we're not all the same on this planet. All right, stand by. I've got to take my break at the bottom of the hour for the news. What do you think, Exxon Nation? Are you a believer or are you a skeptic? Send me your emails. Exxon at ExxonRadioTV.com. Or you can uh, send us, uh, go to our site, ExxonRadioTV.com, and take our survey there. Hmm. Star children, alien hybrids, energy fields, energy workers, new age. Is there a connection? Are they here on a specific mission? Or is it a mission that we are not yet aware of? We'll be back on the other side of this break as I continue from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Explanation, uh, Suzanne Worthley is our guest. Swarthley.com is her website. Suzanne, let me ask you this. Uh, since you're a hybrid, maybe you have a better insight into what is going on in the skies and space above this little planet. Why don't the extraterrestrials that you're in contact with, why don't they just land and let themselves be known? Why all the cloak and dagger secrecy? I think that there's a number of reasons for that. I think that one of the very important things is a frequency thing, that mm. there is a density to our planet, which, by the way, is fueled by fear, that is 
um, not conducive to them being able to actually step into this zone in the way that we would imagine them like a movie does. And I think that that's a huge part of it. I also think that there is a very purposeful way of unfolding or um, disclosing what we are moving into. I think if everybody landed tomorrow, people would lose their marbles. And I don't, I just don't think that's the way that they will enter. How will they enter? I think it will be a soft disclose to some extent. It already is. That's why the government is already handing out their UFO documents and they are starting to do so many television shows and everyone is covering it in different ways. It's becoming normal even on TV, in movies. It's a soft disclose so that our psyche starts to open up to the concept that that's even something that is real. And that's been happening for many years, but it's really escalating so that the actual conversation and the narrative starts to come forward a little bit. I think that this will take some time, but I don't believe that it wouldn't be impossible that in our lifetimes that that will happen. As far as the information the government has released uh, going back to June of this year, there was nothing specific in that. It was very general. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, as, as far as the television shows that are out there, there's a large audience, so it's a cash cow not only for TV producers, not only for networks, but also for people who go out on the lecture series, write books, DVDs. Right now, this is part of paratourism. Yep, I, I agree, and I'm not arguing with yeah. that at all. But it's also a soft disclose. I mean, things will change and things will come forward at certain times, and of course everybody's going to glom onto it. I mean, don't you remember when the shift came in 2012? I yeah, mean, that, the shift of yeah. 2012, which, by the way, was the ascension shift, Every single marketing thing glommed onto oh, that sure. under the sun, and everyone thought we were going to be poof and go gone. And it and was they nothing. Didn't understand that that was a shift in the Mayan calendar, and mm-hmm. that we were in a process of a frequency change. And they made it into everyone's going to land, and we're all going to go poof. Yeah. Well, first of all, it wasn't the end. Of, you know, all the all that happened on December the twenty. Uh, what was it? December twelfth, twenty twenty one. It was the end of the Mayan calendar, just exactly. like on December thirty first, we take the old calendar off, put a new one on. That's it. There was nothing spectacular that happened. That was just it. And and yet the new age gurus, or as you know, a lot of people call them the new age wackos, they they decided that they would use this for their benefit to try and swing over people into their way of thinking, and it backfired on them horrifically. I I don't know if that's necessarily all that that was. I do believe that, yes, it's the Mayan calendar, but mm-hmm. if you really study more of all of the prophecies that they have always talked of, the Great Awakening, Edgar Casey even talked about it. I mean, this goes back to all kinds of prophecies of what we call the Great Awakening, and there's very many different points of it. There's mm-hmm. the harmonic convergence in 1987 when the actual frequency changed, and we have our Schumann resonance changing. We have our galactic sun changing we have our solar flares changing our frequencies on this planet are changing and that's part of what we would call the shift and so yes you shift a mayan calendar but you also shift in terms of frequency when we shift Mm -hmm. and shift in terms of frequency we are opening up the ability to different planes of existence and this is why a lot of the paranormal or the psychic world is opening up because planes of existence are being able to be accessed differently if you have the capability how to do that. Isn't it also possible it could just be that society is looking for something new, something exciting, something that doesn't fit the norm, and 
all this talk about frequency, quantum, uh, you know, different uh, dimensions, different universes. This is exciting. Hey, you know, let's try this. Maybe it has nothing to do with frequencies, except maybe because of the lack of recorded uh, history in certain aspects, that these are natural occurring phenomena that just were never recorded. And now because of the advances in science, we can record them. We can better understand them. Maybe and this is just natural. Maybe so. And yeah. I'm not saying that anything's right, and I'm not saying that anything's wrong, because with there's just as much information on both sides of the coin mm-hmm. on anything you want to find out there. So you, if you choose, can dig and dig and dig and find all kinds of things on the positive yeah. and as many on the negative with almost any subject out there. So this is why the actual movement if you want to call it that, which you said earlier, the movement is a movement into sovereignty and freedom and understanding (laughs) that each individual comes down here for an experience, but they are birthright embedded with that experience of their own truth. And we have not lived like that as a civilization. Our truth is handed to us. Our truth is educated to us. Our truth is hammered into us on news. Our Uh truth is something that the shift and the movement is encouraging people to go within and find what resonates. So if you think something is not something, go for it. That's awesome. That's your truth. That's your perspective. But be very clear that that background of belief systems is driving what you perceive as truth. So if you are only taking it at face value without digging into your belief systems and discerning if that is a truth for truth, or if it is a truth because I was told it's a truth, that's two different things. Almost sounds like a cult. Wow, okay. I don't really see it that way, but you certainly have the right to say that. Yeah, but what do you take a stand on? I don't take a stand on much of anything. I actually stand pretty neutral. So you're kind of a... I don't care about one side or the other on politics. I don't care about a whole lot of... Uh, this or that because the basic reality is is that we are in a dualistic reality here everything has a this for that we Mm -hmm. have laws of the universe we have duality we have cause and effect we have all kinds of laws of vibration we have all kinds of laws of karma laws of attraction those are the things that i take a stand on because those are the energetic laws when it comes down to 3d stuff i don't really care so much i'm pretty neutral so why do you do what you do in a 3D world? Because the 3D world is shifting to a 5D existence. Says who? If you believe in the, what you're thinking is maybe a cult mentality. In my belief, it is an ascension mentality that uh-huh. the frequency is going from a unified, the unification of 5D frequency is raising above. We're all one. We're remembering the law of one. It's the very first law of the universe. And we're understanding that, yes, we are all individual, but in terms of higher source, we are all one. And when we remember that, these are ancient mysteries. This is stuff that's been around since the beginning of time. It Mm -hmm. isn't new. That's why I love when they call it new age. Um, When you were talking there, I I had visions of the Heaven's Gate people and uh, Applewhite, who was basically (laughs) saying the same thing. You know, let's hold hand, kumbaya, let's get a better tomorrow because the one that we're in here sucks. The mothership is going to beam us aboard, Scotty. Oh, oh no. And no, no, I will challenge that. 
No one is waiting for the mothership to save us. Mm -hmm. If you really are studying the law of ascension and the law of one, you are supposed to be saving yourself if you want to look at the word supposed to be. There is no saving happening. We create our reality. We've created all of the stuff that we're in. We created every second of every second. We create our timeline, reality, and existence because we're that strong and powerful as not just a un- individual, but a unified force of consciousness. All right, so, so, so hold, no on here, hold, on here, hold 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 on here. So if I understand it correct, you are a holograph, I am a holograph, and yet you and I are talking in a three-dimensional world using three-dimensional world technology, and yet we can communicate. How come we can do this if we're holographs? The perception of how your reality is created in manner comes through your consciousness in a holographic way. It does become matter. We are in a 3D existence, which is matter. Mm -hmm. We touch things, we see things, we have sound, we have cycles, we have seasons. So you are in a 3D existence, but your creational reality is in all planes of existence. But you can't prove any of that. I don't have to prove that for my own reality. If you want proof, Mm -hmm. then you get to, if you choose to, go find proof for it or against it. And and yet you teach this to other people. So are you swaying their way of looking at life to a life that seems euphoric? I, I don't believe, first of all, that life is euphoric, first of all. I don't understand where that's coming in, but um, I don't sway anyone. My job yeah. is to stay neutral. I say, uh, if you choose about a million times a day mm-hmm. to not only everyone I encounter, including you and or anyone I teach or anyone I work with, because you get to choose. All right, stand by. We've got to take you. our final break. When we come back. Wow. We're going to be wrapping up this hour here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios, I believe. If I don't come back, that's because the mothership came and got me, and, well, I'll have Scotty beam you back a note. Dreaming can make you mine 
dreaming Closing my eyes and feeling fine When the lights go down I'm holding you so tight Got you in my arms and it's paradise Till the morning light I see us on the show Welcome back everyone, Suzanne Wardley is our special guest Wardley I should say her website is swardley.com. I'm trying to imagine the life as as you see it, where we're in a time of ascension. All these changes are happening. Should we not be seeing positive results on a daily basis if this is happening? I think it. Depends on your perspective. Again, if you're looking through the eyes of fear, you're seeing negative results. And Mm -hmm. if you're looking through the eyes of love, you're seeing positive. That said, everything that has been created Mm -hmm. for eons that is in not so great structures, negative structures, fear-based structures, those are falling because they need to fall. There are all kinds of so-called boxes that we live in from, you know, education to medicine to uh, religion to whatever box you want to feel yourself stuck in, fear-based box. Those are completely dismantling. So you can see that dismantle as something that's horrible and awful and scary, Mm -hmm. or you can perceive that as the going through the process of undoing to move forward. It depends on your perception. Well, I, I've got a very positive outlook on life. And yet, from what you've been saying for nearly the last 45 minutes, the world should be in a better place. And if it's not, then what you've been saying isn't happening. For example, we still have wars, we still have diseases, we still have the hungry. The uh, you know it, everything is going to hell in a handbasket, and, and yet again, and again that's uh, that's many 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 people's perception. And remember, oh come on, every come single on. individual that's having that perception is driving that into the collective consciousness perception, right. and so that doesn't behoove any movement forward either. So each gotcha. individual person cause and effect. Yeah, each individual person is responsible mm-hmm. to clean up their own house. First, All right, well, let me ask you this. That. Let me ask we're you this. All right, hold on here. Hold on. Short. Do me a favor. Give me short answers. Okay, but... Because okay, I'd like to get a word in here sometimes, too. You know, I understand that you're very passionate about what you do, and I admire that in people. I, I really do. But if this movement is so great and so many people are coming on board with this new way of thinking about the ascension and so on, how come they're not making a difference? Is it because they perceive their own existence and their own world and the rest of us? Well, you know, too bad for you guys. I don't understand what you just said. All right. Let me be, let me try it again. You were saying that I asked you about how come things are not looking better in the world. And you said, well, it's a matter of perception, right or wrong? In my opinion. In your opinion, of course. In your opinion, am I correct? You're understanding, yes, my opinion. Okay, so, okay. Now, let me take it one step further. Based on your opinion, 
with all these people who are having the awakening and seeing that we are changing from a 3D perception to a 5D perception and that the ascension is in place and everything is reporting back to the source, should we not see things differently? Should we not see war decreasing? Should we, see, should we not see uh, the, the, the plight of humanity around the world getting better? Should we not see positive results, even in the world where people like, like myself do not agree or understand your, your, you know, your way of thinking when it comes to the 3D versus 5D? How come we're not seeing any changes on this side of the coin? Again, I'm, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm simply saying, and I'm going to say it again, it depends on the lens that you're I'm looking not, through. I'm not trying if to argue with you. I'm trying to, to get, I'm trying to get a straight answer. Progress, I don't believe that we are, un, are we are even capable of doing eons of war mentality and fear-based programming mentality overnight or even in a year. I mean, you know, you're talking lots and lots and lots of years of the human being uh -huh. basically being told what their reality is, being told, do this, do that, being having our beliefs handed to us. Mm -hmm. This is a change of perspective okay. for people. All right, so let me ask you this. You're driving your car. I, I, I assume you drive? Yes. You're driving your car down the street. There's traffic lights. It goes from green to yellow to red. What do you do when you when you come to that red signal? I still follow 3D laws. Why? Because we're still in a 3D reality. It doesn't mean that 5D reality takes away 3D existence in matter. We are still in a 3D existence. And if you're understanding the way that that Mayan calendar, by the way, works, mm -hmm. it's a 26,000-year cycle. 28,600-year cycle. We're in it since 2012. It's mm -hmm. not going to happen overnight, and everything's going to snap our fingers and go away in a 3D reality. We are still in a 3D mass reality in a process of ascending in many different planes of existence to a 5D. What that means is, is it's happening simultaneously. You're still here in 3D. What will be the difference between fi uh, 3D and and 5D? Will it be the difference like, uh, let me see, high definition to 4K? What's the difference? It, it is a difference between a fuel of love and a fuel of fear. So a 3D perception will see something in a fear-based fuel, meaning this is all scary, and a 5D will find a unified way to look at it to have cooperation compassion and love. Okay, so why do you think that just because you, you've mentioned fear-based many times, yep. and yet you don't take a stand on anything, but you're, you're still mentioning fear-based. What is your definition of fear-based? Anything that makes you scared. So it is important for us to go through our own consciousness container and uh -huh. dig out anything that is scary for me. What makes me scared? Okay, the boogeyman. When I was a kid, I was scared because the, I, my uncle told me there was a boogeyman under my bed. As I grew older, I realized my uncle was just pulling my, my chain, and I've done the, you know, it's like, okay, it's not there. I do not live in a fear-based world. I don't. I fear nothing. 
I'm very self-confident. I'm very positive. And, most, and you, most humans fear a whole lot of things, and maybe not you're the very humans. Not, that not the humans I know. Pardon? Not the humans I know. They're very, they're very secure in their own skin. So, mm -hmm. uh, so are we looking at a very small percentage of society that believes we're in a fear-based existence? No, we're looking, in my opinion, again, in a very large quantity of people that walk this planet are fear-based in their belief systems. So what do you so, base that on? What do you base that on? Because most human beings think that they have to go to work. Well, if you want to pay your mortgage, you've got to go to work. If you want no, to feed you your family. You have to. You choose to. Oh, come on. Come on. No, you do. You don't have to go to work. You choose to go to work to have the money to pay your mortgage. Oh, the difference is the fuel of fear says I have to go to work. Yeah, the fuel of getting kicked in your ass and freezing outside and being hungry is also a good motivation to go to work. And I get that. But what I'm saying is, is there's a difference in how the uh -huh. body runs the circuitry <laughs> of I have to go to work, I get to go to work. All right. I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. Um, I think you're about two cans short of a six-pack. I want, you know, I've got to tell you something, Exonation. She did prove one thing, that she's not from this planet. That is for sure. She is definitely not from this planet. Another snake oil salesperson out there using your insecurities to fill her pockets. That's what it's all about. My God. I was getting tired just listening. And that's rare for me, I'll tell you. All right, Craig, you know what I want? That's right. Uh, yeah, another one bites the dust. I hope we've opened your eyes, Exo Nation. People like this are out there to take you and every penny you've got by, by talking to you about the fear that you're in that I will bet you you never knew you existed in that in her opinion, that world of fear. A lot of opinions, but she never, she never came and said anything that was concrete, in my opinion. We'll be back, don't go away. Another one bites the dust, and another one gone, and another one gone. Another one bites the dust, hey, hey, gonna get to